Hello, I'm Dr. Jesse L. Grice, founder and uh, senior pastor of Truvine Baptist Church. It's my heart as we welcome you. I welcome you, and I praise God uh, that you will get something from it and bless your life. And in Jesus' name, we love you. Praise Him. You can lift Him up. I submit to you, we all have a story, and you can praise God for the story that He has created in your life by answering your prayers, by delivering you, by making a way out of no way. Good morning to you. I am Dr. Blocker, Associate Pastor of Christian Education and Discipleship, and I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome to True Vine Baptist Church. Amen. Where our senior pastor and founder, Dr. Jesse L. Grice, For over 30 years, he has led this ministry, and we celebrate what God is doing. And to his wife, Sister Joyce Grice, if you have your Bibles, I won't be before you long, but there is a word from the Lord. I invite you to join me in the book of Revelations, the book of Revelations, chapter 5, where we're going to read a eight verses there, Revelations chapter 5, to those that are joining us in person, as well as those online. Our reading will come from Revelations chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. And if you have it, say amen. Amen. The word of the Lord reads this way. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside And on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a louder voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose the seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Verse 8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a heart and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And it is those last words, you may have your seat, that we are going to tag this text today, the prayers of the saints. Come on, say that with me. The prayers of the saints. Join me in prayer. Eternal God, thank you for this moment where 
you have designed in this worship service to speak to your people through your word. And God, bring clarity and consciousness of fault to my mind and my words. And may I speak only the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. It's the 17th week of the NFL season, featured a primetime game in Cincinnati, Ohio. Professional football players were gathered on the field as this matchoff between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. I don't see any of those jerseys represented in the space right now, but according to the Nielsen ratings, there were more than 60,000 people attending the game in the stadium. And there was an additional 23.8 million watching that game on three major broadcast networks around the country and the world. But this large group, both in person and online, would not get to see the end of the game that they expected that night because unexpectedly, with five minutes and 58 seconds left in the first quarter, a 24-year-old safety for the Buffalo Bills named DeMar Hamlin would be receiving CPR for nine agonizing minutes on that same football field. One sports writer mentioned that an entire nation was captivated and they were sending their thoughts and prayers to him. I'm not aware of the sports writer's religious beliefs, but I can tell you that the words express a universal sentiment in the world's point of view. And that sentiment is that prayer matters. Prayer matters. The other sentiment that was on display that that evening is that some problems that we encounter in life are unexpected. They are uninvited. And when we encounter those situations, we need a power that's higher than ourselves. Now, I'll be honest, I don't get too excited about the world's, the world's point of view about prayer. I don't, I don't. I'll tell you why. Because in this secular society, the word prayer can be associated with anything. But, but there is a difference when the prayers of the saints are being prayed to God. And so, there are some problems and some challenges or some difficulties that no man and no brand, such as the NFL, the National Football League, can handle, and therefore, all believers should be called to pray. 
to be called to pray. And so, and so I don't want to appear insensitive because it is the, the world's view of prayer is meaningless when the true God, Elohim, God Almighty, is not involved. When God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is not the center of our prayer, there's a problem with the world's perspective of prayer. In our scripture today, there is something that you and I in the house of God can agree upon is that the prayers of the saints matter. And that God cares about the prayers of the saints. Come with me as we look into the scripture. The scene begins actually in chapter 4 of Revelation where the Apostle John is receiving this vision of the throne room of heaven. There he is in the throne room of heaven and he observes all the splendor and glory in this throne room. It's splendorous, it's glorious because of who's in the throne room. There, God is there before John, in this vision, also there, he sees cherubims, the angels. He sees the elders. He sees many gathered in this place because it is the throne room of God. And so here in chapter 4, and it continues here in chapter 5, we are observing John's vision of the throne. And, and the throne here in this apocalyptic piece of literature describes something that you and I need to be aware of, that you and I need to understand about the book of Revelation. Revelation is all about the end time, the coming to the end of history as we know it. The coming to the end of time as we know it. And it is here in chapter 5 where a ceremony of a sorts is preparing to take place. Because that which God has owned that which God has created, this experience in chapter 5 is the beginning of that transaction. God is preparing to broker a deal. And that is the dominion of the world that has been ruled by Satan during the time that man disobeyed God in the garden. This transaction is about to occur. Where God says the deed that you've had on mankind is going to get transferred back to me. And so, just as a transaction that, uh, that is occurring in our courts today, where you have the, the judge and his, the judge's seat here in heaven, John has a vision of a throne room because official Heavenly business is about to take place. And so in the 
throne room of God, there are a number of things that John sees. And I can call out, I can call out the fact that he sees a scroll. He sees a scroll. And this scroll reminds him of a number of things that we see in Scripture, and we have to look back to the Old Testament to understand the significance of the scrolls. When the prophets saw a vision of the scroll, then that that vision implied that there would be judgment. In Ezekiel chapter 2, Ezekiel sees, verses 1 through 8, the vision of a, a scroll. The prophet Zechariah in chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, he also sees a vision of a scroll. And when the scroll was seen, it was the contents of the scroll that gave insight about what was happening. And judgment was about to be read from the contents of the scroll. And so right here in Revelation chapter 5, John, I see a scroll which is a symbol of impending declaration of God's judgment on the earth. Look with me. Verse 1, and I saw... In the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. This this scroll is sealed with seven seals, seven God's number of completeness. Therefore, the contents on this scroll is all said and done. The judgment that is coming on mankind is all said and done. And so to open the scroll, you needed somebody, something that was worthy enough to open the scroll. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for I, myself? What does that mean for the prayers of the saints? You need to understand that the transaction here is a story, a reflection of redemption. It's the initiation of what we see and know about redemption. Let me, let me make it plain. Let me make it plain. Before I got the pretty suits, before I had the nice shoes, before I had the pretty glasses, I was broke, busted, and disgusted. I had some life experiences where the money couldn't help me meet the needs of the end of the week. And so I had to take some of my value possessions and go to the pawn shop. Oh, yeah. I I might be the only one in here that, that grew up with some financial difficulties. And so I would take my prized possessions, my TV, my PlayStation, and I would take it to the pawn shop. And there at the pawn shop, the pawn shop owner would give me some money for my possession. And when I was able to scrap up a few dimes and go back and to buy back or redeem my possession, I got my payment ready. And I went to the pawn shop and I gave the pawn shop owner his money and he gave me back 
my possession. That is the scene that is occurring here. The scroll is God's judgment. And the only one that can open the scroll, the only one that is worthy enough to open the scroll is the one whose the property belongs to. It's Christ Jesus, Son of the living God, who paid a price for your life and mine. He paid a price for my salvation, for your salvation. And now what, is, what John observed and is occurring in heaven is this transaction. It's like he's standing at the counter of the pawn shop. You know why I'm here. I'm coming to get what belongs to me. I need to prove it to you. It was in, it was in Genesis chapter 3 that this transference occurred. Remember, God created mankind, Adam and Eve. Everybody is holy. We're doing well. God is in a, a place of rest. And then something happens in verse Six of chapter three, it reads this way. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. They knew that they had disobeyed God, and at the crux of disobeying God, the transfer occurred from God's dominion to now the dominion of that serpent. And all through time, since the fall of man, you see mankind acting wickedly. You see mankind serving other gods. You see mankind giving into the lust and the desires of the flesh. And, and even Jesus wasn't immune to the temptation of Satan. Because in Matthew chapter 4, we see that tempter doing what he always does. In Matthew chapter 4, we see in verse 8, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Satan has always been tempting God's creation. And even Satan tried to tempt the Lord Jesus. So if he is trying to tempt the Lord Jesus and the Lord Jesus defeats him with God's word, don't you know that he is trying to tempt you? Don't you know that he is trying to exercise his dominion over you? But what we see here in Revelation chapter 5, is that God is calling an end to this rule, this dominion of darkness. And God is reclaiming back to himself that which he created for himself. And that is the world, the earth, and mankind. And so, and so, and so, it's, 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 it's John's vision here 
And in the backdrop of this vision, there is something about prayer and prayer of the saints that you and I should always understand is that your prayer exists in the backdrop of redemption. You and I pray because God redeemed us. God paid a price for us. And when you and I, those that are believers, those that are saints and not ain'ts, when the saints pray, the backdrop of your prayer is the redemptive work that God has done in the death, burial, and resurrection of the risen Christ. And so, and so John John asks his question in this, 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 this court proceeding there in the throne room of God. He sees this, again, this scroll, the scroll that carries on it, the, the judgments and, and judgments that are complete. And, and then he sees an angel, an officer of the court that proclaims in a loud voice this one question, who is worthy to open the scroll and loose his seals? Who? 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 Who is worthy to open the scroll? I'll answer that real quick. No one. No man. No woman. No boy. No girl. No NFL owner. No created thing is worthy enough to open the scroll because no creative thing was worthy enough to buy back my life from sin. So it's Jesus. It's Christ. The Lamb. His blood shed for you and I that makes him worthy. Only one worthy to open the scroll. And so, I'm glad about that because it speaks to me that when I experience difficulties, when I experience my challenges in life, because I am a saint, I can call out to God. And because of his power that raised Christ from the dead, because of his power that purchased my sinful, sane, sick soul, I know that he can hear and answer the prayers of the saints. And so, so, and so, no one's worthy. No one's worthy. Who's worthy to open the scroll and loose the seals? No, 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 no. No one's worthy. Sin makes all of humanity unworthy before a holy and righteous God. And John the Baptist recognized this, y'all. In John chapter 1, verse 27, he says, He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Sin makes you and I unworthy. Christ Jesus makes us worthy. Worthy before holy and powerful God. Worthy before God who is the creator of heaven and earth. And so, and so, it's important to know that the apostles' vision, no one is worthy to open the scroll because nothing in creation holds the deed to humanity and all of creation except God. God holds the deed. And so, and so what, we, what we see here is that John then figures out, since no one is worthy enough, he looks across the earth 
He looks in the earth, above the earth. He looks below the earth, to, uh, 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 and no one is worthy. The next thing occurs is that he begins to weep. Scripture says he begins to weep. He begins to, he begins to cry. You know, uh, you've been there before. When, 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 when you feel like that there is nothing or no one that can change a bad situation, You've been there before, that, 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 that situation that you encounter unexpectedly, uninvitedly, where you feel helpless. I can imagine that's how Mr. Hamlet felt, helpless. And all those 23.6 million that, that watch, helpless. Those in those expensive boxes, helpless. And so, and so you might have received a medical diagnosis that leads you to feeling helpless. When a marriage is in trouble, it can make both partners feel helpless. When you don't know how food is going to be put on the table, that can make you feel helpless. And when there is nothing, there is nothing that a parent can do to take away the pain that a child is experiencing that makes you feel, Deacon Johnson, Sister Johnson, helpless. But on the other side of that is that when the saints are praying and they make their prayers unto God, there is a worthy God that can take my petitions and turn them into answers. John was weeping, feeling helpless because this, the difficulty of the situation, helplessness can lead you to powerlessness. And here in scripture, helplessness and power are at here on, on display. And see, we see here that, that, that there is a shift in the scene, a change of events. Because in verse 5, we get an idea of why John's perspective shifted and why things changed. Look at verse 5 with me where it says, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. It's just like when you get that tap on the shoulder, that tap of encouragement where somebody is saying, brother, sister, I know that you're going through. I know that you're having a hard time, but worry not, weep not, because there's an answer for you and that answer answer is Christ Jesus. In John's vision he sees that elder which tells him that you need to shift your perspective because there is someone here that is able to provide an answer to you and that is the Lamb. Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the Lamb of God. And when we look to Christ Jesus, the Lamb, He has the answer for whatever befalls us. Scripture says, Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. The Lamb, Jesus, is our scene shifter. He will shift 
Whatever the burden, whatever that is causing you to weep, whatever that is causing you to worry, whatever that is causing you to be down broke, downhearted, God through Christ Jesus can shift the scene for the saints. And so he stood there. Observe the lamb who was slain. Seven eyes and seven spirits. And, and verse 7 says, and Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who was on the throne. The lamb who redeemed mankind is acting on the behalf of creation. So that all of creation might be able to experience the plan of God, which is redemption. And so, to the saints in here, understand that your prayer has value to God. God cares about the prayers of the saints. But I can't let you off that easily. Because the question on the other side of that is, why don't you pray? Because I can, if I took the role a couple weeks ago, when we had the prayer breakfast, I can tell you this, that we had more people in here than we had out there. I won't say anything else, but I can tell you that there are more people in here today than there were out there when we had the prayer breakfast. So the question again is, since God values and cherishes this, the prayers of the saints. Why don't you and I pray? How do I know that he values the prayers of the saints? Because of what it says in verse 8. He, said, he says, uh, 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 each having a harp and golden bowls and full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Your prayers and mine. Go from earth and get up in heaven and they have a place for it, a container for it, and it's a gold bowl. Now, I don't know about you, but, but Christmas just passed. And if I received anything that was of value, it was put in a pretty package. It was put in a package that had some value, that had some significance to it. And when the scripture talks about a golden bowl, golden bowl, I don't know how much gold is worth on the stock exchange today, but I tell you what, it's valuable, it's precious, and therefore that which is in the bowl that John sees is precious in your prayers. Saints are precious to God, therefore pray. I encourage you to pray. God values your prayers. Not only does God value your prayers, is that, is that, that, that your prayers work in God's redemption plan. The challenges that you and I experience are not just for you. Those difficulties, those problems, that's for you to make a petition unto God. But it's only the saints who prayers get through to heaven. The ain'ts, their prayers are not getting through. The saints' prayers are getting through. And when God is answering your prayer, he is doing so because it's part of his ultimate and divine plan. 
of redemption. So when God hears your prayer about your need, God is still working out salvation so that you can be a salt and light and you can go and tell somebody, you know, this is what God has done for me. God has made ways out of no ways. I was sick, but now I'm well. I was down and out, but now I'm whole because God heard my prayer. God heard my feeble cry. God values our prayers, and prayers exist in the backdrop of redemption. I got to close here. I got to close here. And, and, and so it is in verse 8 that we see the significance of the prayers of the saints. And the value of the prayers of the saints because of the lamb, the worthy lamb who is Christ Jesus. Now, when he had taken the scrolls, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and each one having a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You know what? At that time, John stopped weeping. And the scene goes from weeping to worship. And so, when you are praying, when the saints pray, understand, yes, you might weep. Yes, you may be sad, but you don't stay there when you are a saint. What happens is that after you pray, you can worship God. You can praise God. You can lift him up. You can glorify him. And it's because of his power that shows itself up in my helplessness. It's because of his power that shows itself up in my powerlessness that God hears the prayers of the saints and God answer the prayers of the saints. And what is it that you are dealing with right now? What is it is the challenge before you? I encourage you. I implore you. I welcome you to pray because the prayers of the saints do something that no other prayers can do. The prayers of the saints act in a way that no other prayer can act. The prayers of the saints can work it out in ways that no man can work it out. So I encourage you, my brother, I encourage you, my sister, to pray, to pray, to pray, because I know that God can and God will answer the prayers of the saints. I've been down and I've been out, but God over creation answered the prayers of the saints. Thank you so much for your attendance and your support of the podcast. We do hope to see you again or hear you again or even talk to me again. And we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you.